This is an AMI podcast. I think the biggest problem that I went through was the the grief of losing uh, my sport career. It is like losing uh, a family member. Beyond the Field on AMI-tv examines important issues impacting the world of sport. Many conversations I would end with me in tears feeling like I was being told that I had to change and I had to toughen up. Beyond the Field Uncut provides access to the full, unedited conversations. It's great that you represent Canada and live in Canada. It must be a great country to live in. And I'm like, yes, it is. But as a minority, there still is a lot of racism. Join Paralympians Greg Westlake and Travis Morale as they raise awareness and push the conversation forward through discussions with elite para-athletes, experts, and coaches. This is Beyond the Field Uncut. I'm Travis Morrell. In our episode on coaching with a disability, I spoke with my former teammate and now assistant coach, David Wilsey, to find out about his transition to coaching, how he chose that path. Here's the extended interview. Today, we are joined by five-time Paralympian turned Wheelchair Rugby Canada assistant coach and my close friend, David Wilsey. Dave, thanks for coming on the show. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Man, this is exciting for me, man, getting to interview my coach. We got uh, the shoes on the other foot a little bit right now. Are you worried at all? Nah. No, I'm not worried at all. We've, I've only been your coach for a little while, but I've been your friend for a lot longer, and you know I'll get even with you for anything. See, so. And that's the problem with this is that this is one of those mutually assured destruction type scenarios. It's that's a, right. It's like a Russia-Cold War-U.S. standoff. <laughs> okay, but my first question, though, is an easy one. Okay. Why, why did you want to get into coaching? What was the motivation there? Well, I just love the sport so much. Um, and I love breaking it down. And I, uh, that whole side of it, I wasn't sure where I was going to be coaching. If it was going to be, uh, you know, the club level or another country somewhere or whatever. So, but I, I knew I was going to be coaching, uh, when I retired after Rio in 2016, I just didn't know at what level or, or where now that leads into my next question, because as a guy who's played with you for quite a number of years and then seen you coach, you've brought in a certain defensive system where I'm looking at it and I'm thinking that you had to have been thinking this up as you were playing. So was there a point during your playing career where you're like, you know what, I need to get into coaching. I need to start writing some of this stuff down. Yeah. I don't think I've ever done anything that deliberate in my life. (laughs) Um, I've always had a, a thought on in the back of my mind, how defense should be played in this sport, how it yeah. could be played. Um, but it's, uh, it's such an undergoing and such a task to get everybody on the same page for a system. When you're a player, you just can't do it. Maybe introduce a couple things here and there on different lineups, but um, it was really, I was really looking forward to actually uh, with Pat as the head coach, getting the reins on this and, uh, and seeing if it would work. So, we still don't know, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> That's the thing about this year. Nobody knows. But no. uh, what's, what's that transition process been like to turn from an athlete into a coach? Like, has it been a huge change? Like, has it been something that's been come easy to you? For me, it was really easy. I'd have to ask you guys how it was. Um, I didn't have to change too much. Um, I think a big part of that's respect uh, for all the guys that I do coach. 
and uh, it goes both ways. So um, I was really surprised though, uh, how calm I was as a coach. Cause I was kind of a um, intense player. No, so, no. And everything too. <laughs> so uh, yeah. And uh, I'm, to this day, I'm pretty surprised how chill I am either on the bench or in practice. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Um, oh, I, I think we've noticed it big time. Like the Dave, Dave is a coach and Dave is a player, two, two different people. <laughs> very, very well. The thing is a player is, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're so focused in on that situation. Nothing's more important than that, whatever you're doing right at that moment. And as a coach, you see the big picture and I don't get too riled up too often. Uh, there's a couple of buttons that can be pushed for sure. But, uh, yeah, you definitely now, see a bigger picture. Now, you're coaching a lot of guys that you've played with and you've been friends and teammates with for over a decade. What's yeah. that been like? Uh, I don't know. It's been, it's been very easy for me. Uh, the only hard part is when you have to be a little, uh, little negative or you have to work on something. You're not sure how guys are going to take it. Um, but just being straightforward, I find works pretty good on everything else. Cause you know, you're friends, so you don't want to hurt the guy's feelings or whatever, but, uh, at the end of the day, we're kind of pros. So it works out. All right. I think. I, I think that would be an incredibly difficult position to be put in. I mean, uh, personalities are different, but man, I don't know how I would handle that situation. <laughs> yeah. I think the big, the big thing is uh, like everything that I try to do when I'm coaching and and it's awesome working with Pat on this too, because he gives a whole different uh, viewpoint on this, but um, everything's a conversation with ever. So even if I'm working with you on something or whatever, it's a, it's a conversation, right? Um, yeah. So why is it that we don't see more parasport athletes kind of follow a similar path to you into coaching? Uh, I, we see it all the time in the non-para world where athletes head into coaching. Yeah, I think it could be a, uh, could be a couple of reasons why uh, one there's a certain burnout when they're done or they're not um, they're not prepared to make the move. Whereas uh, you know, over the last 10 years, even before I uh, retired, I was coaching at the club level and then at the provincial level. And so it was kind of a natural progression for myself. Um, a lot of it's monetary. Um, you know, these guys are done, their carding cycles over and they got to join the real world, if you will, and, uh, you know, pay the rent. So a lot of them get into it for that. So I think planning ahead and, uh, and, and money would be the two reasons. Now, wheelchair rugby is kind of an outlier compared to other para sports where when you look at the top eight in wheelchair rugby, five of the top eight teams have former athletes on their coaching staffs. Do you think that's a trend that we're going to see emulated in other para sports? Well, I don't know, because uh, aside from goalball, I'm pretty sure that we're the only sport that's not an adapted from an, from an able body sport. So we were not, we weren't adapted from rugby. So we have our own set of rules. We have our own set of everything. So there's no able body sport that you can play growing up and then make the transition. And it's, it's very player driven. I mean, our sport was invented by players. We have players on every board right across the, the international spectrum. Um, so I think we are unique in that we always want that. It's, it's designed for a very specific demographic and we wanna make sure it stays that way. So I think that's a big part of it for us. We're, we're not like most sports. 
So would you say like having that lived experience as an athlete playing at the highest level, that's been one of your key kind of experiences that you draw upon as a coach? Actually at the start, it was kind of a, um, a roadblock that I didn't even know about. Um, just assuming that everybody knows what you know and can see what you see out there because they've been playing a long time too. And just skipping steps and getting to the final part of it, of a, whether it's a play or a, a system or whatever. So really breaking it down into its finest forms, which Pat really helped me with, um, that's helped out a lot. So you could almost say having that experience that as an athlete uh, kind of caused some challenges for you where you're seeing athletes, they're not quite getting it. You're having a difficult time kind of explaining it on their level. Yeah. Like uh, why can't you just see the guy open over the top? I mean, it's, it's obvious, right? Two guys come down or whatever we're talking about. And uh, it's not obvious. And I go back to when, not that I'm the, the, the Ted Williams or anything of that, but when uh, Ted Williams retired as the best hitter of all time, probably in baseball, he became the Boston Red Sox hitting coach. And uh, he was telling guys, well, when you pick up the spin out of the, out of the hand of the pitcher, you know, right away, they're like, uh, you pick up the spin. We don't see the spin. And then he realized at that point he had to break it down even more. Right. So. I got to say as an athlete, having an athlete as a coach, man, we see some big benefits. And for me, it's in training camp. When you push that breakfast back an extra half hour. <laughs> oh my God. The whole team, you fire up the whole team when you do that. Cause you know what it's like, man, you know, those mornings, that extra half hour means everything. Wow. Cote, that was, that was his, uh, cause he heard us when he was assistant coach. He, I think he heard us, you know, kind of piss and moan all the time about it. And, uh, so when he became the big man in charge, uh, that was one of the first things he did. And, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of things like that, uh, from the staff point, just, uh, there's, there's no carryover from job to job on that staff. Everybody just does their job. And uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, like the, I'd like to think that the stress level at camps and everything's pretty low. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. See, that was my plan coming in was to pump your tires so that you'd have to be like self-deprecating and humble. How am I doing so far? I don't know what those words are. <laughs> uh, so do you think para coaches actually have an advantage when dealing with athletes? Like, yeah. is there anything? Yeah. Uh, definitely so. advantages. I mean, we go through the, uh, a lot of the same things on our daily lives, um, whether it's a roadblock to training or, or whatever it is. But uh, the one thing you can't do is assume that my life as a C5, six quadriplegic is the same as another C5, six quadriplegic. I mean, you can have an insight, but, you know, there's definitely no cookie cutter to our lives, is there, Travis? So, um, for sure. But there's definitely, definitely an understanding there. I think able-bodied people want to understand, but you, you just can't, right? So, do you ever see the day where para coaches are going to branch out and start coaching able-bodied sports? Because it is a different point of view that I think could benefit any athlete. I just think best man for the job. So, yeah, I mean, if you can. Uh, if you can do it and you can carry your weight, why wouldn't you? Um, especially if it's a sport where it's very similar dynamics, um, like in tennis or basketball or um, whatever, where it's an easy uh, technical and tactical uh, transitions are easier. 
um, for sure. Nice. Why not? So, so what, what are you looking for out of an athlete, a young athlete trying to make the team? What are some of the things that they can do to really get noticed or really stand out from the rest? Um, work ethic is the biggest thing. Uh, if you're willing, that's off the court. Everybody tries hard when we play. Um, and they say that guy's a hard worker cause he chased down a loose ball. I mean, everybody works hard when they see a loose ball. Um, it's, it's when we're not around Are they putting the time in, uh, to learn their role, to learn and, and just to be open. So that's the biggest thing and, and have fun. We're not here to make millions of dollars or, uh, you know, have, have thousands of thousands of adoring fans and get the big, uh, Nike shoe uh, deal. So if you're not having fun, there's no point in doing it really. Now I got into rugby to, to get rich and famous. So you're telling me right now that I've picked the wrong sport. You might be the one guy that can pull it off um, (laughs) because you know, you can multitask, you can have your old, you can, you'll have your side hustles with uh, podcasts and, and everything else. So I wouldn't put it past you every day. You're hustling. How about you? What's, what's next on the horizon for you? Are you going to stick into coaching? Are you going to move more into like a GM type role? I'm not doing anything with paperwork. Um, (laughs) No, I'm very happy where I am. Uh, I love the, the assistant coach is is a perfect spot for me. I just get to work on X's and O's and, uh, and player um, development which is, which is huge. Um, I really enjoy, uh, you got some of the best players in the world on our team. And when they make a little bit of a game, I think that's amazing. It's easy to coach an up and comer where you can see their gains all the time, but you got a Trevor Hirschfield or a, you know, uh, anybody out there and they're, and they're getting better and they're giving you positive feedback. It doesn't get any better than that really. So would you say that's one of the things that kind of pumps you up the most as a coach is seeing these small improvements from players who've been around for quite a while? Yeah, any learning that goes on anywhere because maybe something we introduced or maybe it's an old concept, but uh, we just use different verbiage on it. Um, just seeing any light bulbs go on anywhere is great. And I mean, the, the thing you miss, like when I had my, my accident was playing hockey, um, what I missed most was the dressing room and, the, and, uh, and baseball getting on the bus rides and all that kind of stuff. So uh, at the end of the day, and Travis, you know, when we get together with old teammates, we never talk about games. It's always, no. <laughs> it's always, you know, what's going on before, after, during uh, that, that, that we get talking about. So, I mean, that's, that's where your wins all come from. Was it, was it strange for you at first being that coach when we're all getting ready? Cause I know it was the weirdest thing in the world for me where we were getting ready for a game. Uh, this is just when you started coaching. And we're talking like we always do before a game. And in my head, I was freaking out. I'm like, Dave, why aren't you getting ready? Like, you're going to be late. Like, what is going – did you get ever get any of that feeling? I don't know if you remember, but the first couple, I actually uh, uh, had to leave. Um, I didn't like it in there at all. Oh, God, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So I just go out and uh, maybe go over uh, a couple game plan things or try to just keep myself busy with Pat. So situations might come up during the game or whatever. And, uh, yeah, the worst thing is, uh, after our last meeting, when you guys all go in and start getting, uh, 
changed and prepped for the game uh, and warm up. Once the whistle goes, I'm fine. Yeah. But you know, I hate warm ups anyway. I hated warm ups as a player. Let's just go. I know. They feel so long now. <laughs> um, that's, that's it for me, man. Oh, come on, man. I thought we were going to get into the hot spots, like the Middle East and everything, too. Okay. Well, that was my other plan was like, I was thinking about putting you on the hot seat and being like, what was the worst coach you ever had? <laughs> I'll go the opposite of that. I've had a lot of coaches. I had four different coaches in five. Paralympics and I got something out of all of them so um nobody's perfect I know I make mistakes all the time and I come after a camp or a tournament or whatever kind of where did I make my mistakes and try to fix it so so I'm not I, so would you say that you've picked up a little piece of information from all the coaches you've had in the past and that's what you're applying to being a coach now very much so and I'm talking you know playing hockey and baseball you know, since I was five years old, you take something from every coach, whether it's a way he talked to you uh, after a good game, bad game, or, or whatever, uh, you're not starting or you're not playing. This is why, or whatever it is. Right. So the, the, the only thing that drove me crazy is, is, is not knowing why on, on things and, uh, and, uh, and silence from the, from the coach. Wheelchair rugby is such a unique sport that even when you played, you had coaches with disabilities. Did that influence your path at all or even show you that was an option for you? If it happened, it was unknowingly. Um, we do a really great uh, job at uh, uh, wheelchair rugby in Canada, uh, making sure players have every opportunity to do what they want. Um, look at our board, look at, uh, you know, all of our, uh, who runs um, our two, uh, uh, coaching at the at the next level down and then everything else is uh it's very player motivated and uh so i didn't really see any roadblocks that way but it never hurts to have uh obvious examples around building on that the program also pushes the players to get certified as coaches do you think that improves the number of coaches with disabilities in the sport yeah i remember i was a player when we did that and uh i thought it was a great idea um, take the coaching course and you kind of see that there's a lot more than that goes into coaching than uh, sometimes we see as players. So I think, I think it's a great idea. We should probably do it again. Wheelchair rugby is well known for being a social sport where we yeah. all like to have a good time. We all like to get together. We're all good friends. Uh, is that something that's changed now that you've become a coach? Um, yes and no. Um, when, uh, the guys are together and they're going to go have some fun or whatever. I kind of stay away and, uh, and let, and let that uh, run, but we're in our home environment. I'm still really good friends with these guys, uh, yourself included. So I don't even hesitate to have a, a social outing with, uh, with any of the guys. Well, Dave, uh, I'd, I'd like to thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us and you got you know, it. Best of luck uh, in this upcoming Paralympics. You too, my man. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks, Travis. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to check out the rest of the series Beyond the Field at AMI.ca or through the AMI TV app. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.